Drafting Archetypes is brought to you by Game Grid Lehigh. Game Grid Lehigh is an amazing place to buy and sell Magic the Gathering singles. Whether you're building a new cube or crafting your new constructed deck, Game Grid Lehigh is the place to do it. Got a draft coming up with some friends? Buy some seal product here and get it quick. So click the referral link in the description to help out the show. And don't forget to use the code DRAFTPRO10 to get 10% off on your next order at gglehigh.com. Hi everyone, this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and this week I'm going to talk about Mono Blue in Brothers War. As always, notes are available at patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes if you want to follow along. The most notable thing about Mono Blue, to get this out of the way right away, is on 17 lands, Mono Blue has the lowest win rate of any single color, color pair, or color pair with a splash. I think it's a good argument. So that to me suggests either I've been lucky in a small sample sizes, in a small sample size, or I'm approaching the archetype differently than other people in some way. I think that part of what's going on in my approaching it differently from other people or having more success with it than other people is I don't know that it's natural to approach mono blue as an aggressive tempo deck, but that's how I want to play it. So um, the five commons, the five blue commons that I'm looking for are Mightstone's animation, head and shoulders ahead of everything else. I want as many Mightstone's animations as I can get. If I have seven of them, I'm happy about it. I'm looking to have three plus. My second, well, the, the next batch are uh, closer and can kind of depend on where you're at. Combat Courier, Machine Over Matter, Stern Lesson, and sure, I'll just group Falaji Archaeologist in there also. Those five blue commons are the core of the deck. So basically you have Stern Lesson and Combat Courier as things that you can put my animation on. Machine Over Matter as your primary interactive spell, and Archaeologist tie the room together. Uh, Archaeologist finds your animations if you don't have them, finds your things to put them on if you do have them. And the only other like blue common I'm really interested in is Curate, just to function like Archaeologist, where, again, I'm just trying to assemble my Mightstone's animations interactions and then find some time to spells and uh that's just the plan weakstone subjugation wing commando and urza's rebuff are all playable cards i'm none of them are priority it's okay if they're in my deck but i'm happier if i get to cut them other commons i'm looking for are energy refractor supply drop and coastal bulwark in that order energy refractor even if I'm not smashing, is uh, great as a way to have a thing to put Mightstone's animation on. Supply drop. This is kind of another energy refractor. The plus two plus two is pretty nice. Um, you often have like archaeologists hanging out and you can uh, ambush something on defense, but mostly it's just another way to reliably have an artifact in play that you can uh, put Mightstone's animation on. Also, if you've played a supply drop, then your machine over matter gets a four mana giant growth mode, 
which isn't very powerful, but it's nice to kind of add the uh, split guard thing to that. And then Coastal Bulwark is not really where I want to be, because like I said, I'm trying to be aggressive, but uh, it does have, you know, reasonable stats, and sometimes your opponents are going to be attacking you, and you know, it, it's a playable card. Just for uncommons, Levitating Statue is probably the best common uncommon for the archetype full stop. Like, I would probably take it over a Might Zone's animation. If they were the same commonality, it would be harder to figure out. But because you're going to see more Might Stones animations in general than you levitating statues, I think it's important to prioritize the statue. I win a huge number of games just putting Might Stones animation on the levitating statue. It's almost always going to be like a 6 6 by the time I do that with, you know, flying that can attack right away. And it grows a lot from there. The opponent generally dies in two or three attacks from it. And then sometimes you don't even want to put your animations on the statue because you want to like diversify your threats um, and you just spend mana to animate the statue. Uh, either's fine. Sta- statue's just incredible in uh, this like spell head on a blue deck. And then all the cantrip artifacts like Icar Wellspring and Chromatic Star are like things that you're looking for to have additional homes for your Mightstones animations. Then the top blue uncommons, Thopter Mechanic, Zephyr Sentinel, and Flow of Knowledge are all great. Thopter Mechanic and Zephyr Sentinel, you should take really, really highly. They're really, really strong. Zephyr Sentinel can usually uh, pick up an archaeologist. Usually I just manage to pick up archaeologists with it, but even it can also dodge removal or just be played as a 2-1 flyer or whatever. And then Flow of Knowledge is incredible in mono blue. Like, five mana to draw five to seven cards, and then card two of them is really, really powerful, especially if you have a machine over matter in your deck, because you can really quickly convert some of that card advantage into tempo, in a really meaningful way. The other thing about Flow of Knowledge is if it's opened anywhere at the table, you'll almost always wheel it because it's pretty bad outside of Mono Blue and Mono Blue is very rarely drafted. And if you're drafting Mono Blue, it's extremely unlikely that someone else is also drafting Mono Blue at that table. So if it's open anywhere, you'll probably see it. And if you see it early, you can almost always table it. So it's not unrealistic to plan to have one or even two Flow of Knowledge. I had a deck where I was concerned that I might deck myself, where I had two Flow of Knowledge. It was never close to coming up. Flow of Knowledge just drawing into uh, animations and machine over matters just my opponent really, really quickly. It's redundant to say you're, you're really looking to play a low-curve aggro tempo strategy. All the cards I recommend are cheap. Like, Mightstone's animation is genuinely trying to be the top of your curve. Desynchronize, I suppose, is worth commenting on that note. Well, I guess really uh, the, the flow of knowledge is the top of your curve. Desynchronize has the best game in hand win rate of any blue common on 17 lands. I do not understand why. I think it's a fine card. I think it's okay to play with them. I think it's solidly worse than uh, you know my, my top five blue commons that I'm actively looking for. And... I would not want to play two desynchronizes if I could avoid it. And I think that it's basically always worse than Machine Over Matter. Yeah, uh, I I don't really have a great explanation for what's going on there with the stats. I mean, it is it goes really late. So it's one of those cards that people are not spending anything on when they're playing it. But that shouldn't swing it a lot. I don't know. 
I, I think it's fine. I think it's okay to play it, but I don't think you want, like if you see those stats and you see OD synchronized does really well, I do not think that it would behoove you to like prioritize them and put a lot of them in your deck because it is a five mana spell. So I wanted to talk in a little bit more detail about Machine Over Matter specifically because people on my stream often ask like why I'm so into it or how I use it. How I use it's tricky because the reason that it's so good is very much its versatility. Like the, the versatility is absolutely the point. That said, there are some really, really powerful things that I commonly do with it. The highlight is using it on either side of Mightstone's animation. So either if you're playing with or against Mightstone's animation, if your opponent plays Mightstone's animation and you have Sheen Over Matter, then for one mana, you get to bounce the thing they were targeting. They draw their card, they lose the animation. It's like the best way you can, the, the best exchange you can have against an opposing Mightstone's animation most of the time. More importantly, with your own Mightstone's animations, if you, if your opponents like tapped out as they are, you play your Mightstone's animation on something, you attack, then they untap and try to use a removal spell on it. And then if you had one more mana left over, you can bounce your Mightstone's animation, leaving the artifact in play. And then the opponent's removal spell will usually fizzle, assuming it was a creature removal rather than artifact removal. And then on your turn, you just get to play the Mightstone's animation again and draw another card for the Mightstone's animation and attack again immediately because Mightstone's animation, you know, like functionally has haste. That interaction is really strong, comes up really frequently because, you know, your opponent has to kill these 4 4 you're attacking them with. And it's just a huge blood every time you do it. And when you're playing like three plus Mightstone's animations and three plus machine over matters, it happens really, really consistently. Outside of that, you can use it just to like save anything from a removal spell the way you usually use a bounce spell. Uh, you can cycle it by returning like an energy refractor, or you can like block with a Philogy archaeologist, bounce it get a free block, usually get another card off of the archaeologist uh, coming in, if you're, especially if you're like digging for something. And then a lot of the time, you know, like I said, you're an aggressive tempo deck. This format has a lot of expensive creatures that people can spend mana casting, sometimes even expensive non-creatures. Bouncing all of that and just costing your opponent a turn also comes up frequently. And with this deck drawing so many extra cards between Stern Lesson and Mightstone's animation and Flow of Knowledge, it's often very easy to win the game where you, you know, kind of just like time walk your opponent once or twice by bouncing a thing that they spent all their mana on. So the one mana exchange makes it super, super easy to double or triple spell with, and the tempo play is really big, and there's just like a lot of opportunity for different stuff to come up with it. If you have uh, expensive bombs like Portal to Phyrexia or whatever, uh, this shell can be adapted to uh, include them because you do have like a lot of card selection, card draw. It's easy to hit your land drops. Your prioritized stuff that makes might stone or that makes um, power stones. So like I've had a mono blue deck that was really just all about finding and casting uh, Portal to Phyrexia. Um, that also worked well. I still think that, you know, your plan A should really revolve around Mightstone's animation, but it's, you know, while I say that this is, you know, a low curve proactive deck, it's pretty seamless to like slot random artifact bombs into the deck and just kind of have that available as a plan B. And that's kind of it. The thing about monocolor is 
that there aren't really that many different cards you're using. And blue is in this in a really weird spot in this format where it feels kind of siloed to me. Like a lot of the blue cards are not that desirable to most decks. And, you know, like for me, when I talked about how I prioritize uh, different cards and different colors in the like stalwart green deck, there weren't that many blue cards that I wanted. And I, I think that in general, this deck is looking um, for a very, very small subset of cards that it prioritizes a lot more than other people. And so I think that it's not very hard to find this, like for this lane to be very open. And the best versions of this deck have a lot of copies of relatively few different cards. That's the spot that you're looking to be in. Like, I don't want to, you know, force this the same way I'm not really forcing anything in this format. But, you know, basically the way to end up here is to prioritize Combat Courier and Might Stone's animation pretty highly. And then once you have Might Stone's animation, you start prioritizing Stern Lesson. And then... Uh, you just take like animations and archaeologists when there aren't other great cards in the pack. And the more you see all that stuff, the more you just keep taking it. And then if you get a flow of knowledge, it's, you know, that's kind of when you say like, okay, I'm actually going to be mono blue. And before that, of course, you compare this with any other color. You're usually assuming that things are going well in terms of getting Mightstone's animations looking to pair it with whatever color is giving you the best access to additional power stones. You know, there's like the cycle of commons roughly that make power stones and you want to just take the color that you're seeing those from or, you know, handle figuring out what color would flash the way that you would in any draft. I assume that's uh, probably something you have some experience navigating. Uh, yeah, that's it for my notes for uh, Mono Blue. So let's turn it over to chat for questions. This would be where I would uh, thank new patrons at patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes. No new patrons this week. But if you're curious about all that and interested in checking out uh, the offerings available to patrons, check out patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes. Again, any questions? Scrolling up a little bit, some older questions. Is Mightstone's animation essential to this deck, or can you make a different variant that also works? I think that uh, Mightstone's animation is essential to this deck. I think that, you know, I talked about how Mono Blue has a pretty bad win rate in general. I think that if you're trying to just like play the other blue cards and maybe like making something happen with like wing commandos and prowess triggers or something or like if you're trying to use like the three three flash flyer that makes a power stone to cast like six six or nine nine artifact creatures or whatever i think all those decks are pretty bad i think that if it sends animation is not there for you you should be drafting something else how does Mono Blue compare to the Blue Red Iconoclast version? Uh, Iconoclast is great. Uh, even if I'm Mono Blue, if I see an Arcan like even if I'm Mono Blue and I have Flow of Knowledge, I would still probably try to slash an Iconoclast if I saw it. It's a really good card. It fits really well with what this deck is doing. Your deck is going to be better the more Iconoclasts you have if you're anywhere near this space. 
I do also like blue red. You know, a lot of this format is about following the signpost uncommons that you end up with. And this deck is kind of about turning flow of knowledge into a card with the power level of the signpost uncommons. Uh, so if that's the like strong common you have, uh, instead of Iconoclast being the strong common that you have, then it's, this is to say that it's like safe to really lean into mono blue. How would this deck do in best of three where the opponent would side in all the artifact removal they have? I've played mono blue in best of three. It was fine. Um, I, I don't think it matters all that much. Does Urzur's rebuff fit into this deck? It's fine. It's a playable that I'll play if I don't have enough of the better cards, but it can be on plan. It's a functional card. Is there's this rebuff only playable as a counter spell, or are you ever looking to tap two creatures? You don't decide which mode you use when you put it in your deck. You decide when you cast it. So when you're thinking about playing it, you're usually primarily evaluating it as a counter spell. But there will be situations that come up in games where tapping two creatures is either lethal or necessary to stay alive. Those are usually the spots where you would tap two creatures. How many lands do you usually play in mono blue? Uh, 15, I guess. You know, somewhat dependent on how many, like, curates and other cheap card draw you have, but 15 islands is a pretty good mm, situation to expect. How do you feel about involuntary cooldown in this archetype? Could be playable worse than Machine Over Matter. I'm looking to, like, double spell with my tempo plays, but, you know, the you're generally keeping the opponent's board pretty light, and there are spots where, like, you have two, uh, like, my teams in play, and tapping two of their guys could kill them or something. It, it seems fine, but not a priority. How important are rares and mythics to mono blue? I think they are unimportant. I think that uh, there are very few rares that are meaningfully better than Mightstone's animation. Like, you know, Urza's Command or something powerful to, like, draw to is cool and all, but I, I think that just how open is blue, how many Mightstone's animations are you seeing, is going to matter more than, like, how good is your single best card. You start leaning toward mono blue, but end up realizing you aren't getting enough of those top five cards to make 23 to 24 playables. They're a color uh, that you're looking to backdoor into. As I said, uh, if you're like generally fundamentally in this space or the primary commons you're looking for to tell you where to go. I mean, so as always, uh, signpost uncommons that you can pivot into are great reasons pivot into whatever signpost uncommon you're seeing. Also, of course, bomb rares and stuff. If you're like looking for commons that are open, it really is just like the cycle of like power stone makers, right? So like if you're seeing opportunists or uh, explosions or caresses, then whichever of those you're seeing so that you have like those extra power stones to animate, all those cards play really well with uh, this. Involuntary cooldown versus fourth, fifth, etc. animation, which do you take? Uh, 10th animation over first cooldown. Is Scatter Ray playable in this deck? Uh, I think it's a fine sideboard card in this deck, I guess. It's, I mean, it, playable, yes. Like, it's not like I would play, you know, 16th land over it if I wanted to be 15 lands and didn't have another good card, but I'm not looking to play it. Hercule is pretty good in this deck. Like, once blue blue is a given, then like three mana four that sometimes draws a card is a pretty good base to be in. Yeah, like Hercule is good. It's not like, you know, bomb. It's just like 
better than like I think it's better than Flagey Archaeologist slash better than non might stands animation commons. How many might stands animation is too many, assuming you have ten plus good artifact targets or power stone makers? Size the limit. If you have ten things to put it on, I would literally just play like I I can't imagine getting ten might stones animations, but I'm not sure it'd be wrong to play all of them. Next question. Since there's a lot of card draw in this archetype, does the cycle of assembly creatures fit into the archetype? That's an interesting question. I'm still uh, exploring the assembly creatures. I could see it. It would be a significantly different deck, but having a bunch of card selection and assembly workers and then like tempo spell, like Machine Over Matter plays really, really well with the assembly workers because it buys you time to like let your uh, workers take over and protect your workers really well. Falaji Architect wouldn't play very well in that deck, but you know, Curates and Stern Lessons do play well with your assembly workers because they give you power stones. Like, uh, Stern Lesson gives you power stones to cast them, and then the card selection helps you assemble. I would still want to make sure that I had like a self assembler uh, to tie the room together, which I think is generally the case if you're trying to the assembly workers but i i could certainly see mono blue assembly worker coming together as a thing i think the like assembly worker deck is a significantly different archetype kind of regardless of what colors it is but there are certainly blue cards that fit well into that space next question is keeper of the kings does it become playable with three flow of knowledge so i can't say that i actually had three flow of knowledge keeper of the cadence with Two flow of knowledge, uh, I was very happy to not play League of the Cadence because, uh, as I said, my opponents just died from my overwhelming card advantage way before we got close to using uh, Keeper of the Cadence. I would want my decks to continue to be in that space where Keeper of the Cadence wouldn't make sense because I'm good enough at just like attacking with uh, flyers and/or might stones. But you know, it's certainly possible to have a like deck that ends up with more interaction like where you blues very open you get a bunch of flow knowledges you only see two might stones animations and uh you end up in a little bit more of a controlling space and you end up using a keeper there's a question about weak stone subjugation and how i value it i historically uh across formats am relatively low on that kind of effect uh being enchantments that stop creatures from functioning weak stone subjugation is a very good version of that card because uh the ability to play it for one mana is very strong that said i definitely value it lower than other people i think that most people drafting blue are going to take it over machine no matter which i'm never going to do for example i do consider it playable but i consider it very very much not a priority i'm going to uh wrap it up there Thanks, everyone, for hanging out, and I'll be back next week with another topic as uh, determined by the uh, patron vote again. This is a fun archetype. Uh, I do genuinely think it's very strong, so I recommend uh, keeping an eye out for those Mike animations. Have a good week, and I'll be back next week. week.